For our first interview, we had the pleasure of speaking to the space agency, NASA, specifically about a round of new partnerships. It started with companies to help push through new space technologies. To learn more about them and the program overall, I spoke to Jim Reuter, who is NASA's Associate Administrator for the Space Technology Mission Directorate. What we are is the Space Technology um, Directorate for the agency. And as part of Space Tech, the idea is we are the ones responsible for developing transformative, cross-cutting technologies that will enable future exploration, scientific discovery, and also commercial missions. It's very important for us to enable commercial as well as as exploration and science. Um, we strive to keep, and, and with that, we try to keep the, the, what we might call the space technology pipeline growing by engaging our brightest minds in academia, in industry, both small and large, and government and to spark innovation, and in the process to invest in America, especially embracing competition and public-private partnerships. So the way we get at the public-private partnerships is we have two solicitate two sister solicitations that we do on approximately an annual basis. One is called a tipping point, and the other one is called an announcement of collaborative opportunity or ACO. And and like if it's okay, I'd like to describe both of those. Absolutely, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> okay, great. Um, so the idea on both of these is that we can make investments in in industry partnerships, both small and large, that can reduce their development costs and accelerate infusion of, of, of the, their technologies and capabilities into both our missions and their own interests and, and, the, and the overall interest. And so in the process, we grow our economy and strengthen our economic competitiveness. We, we invest ourselves in, in the U.S. So the tipping point is the first one is, is the idea behind the tipping point is there's technologies uh, with commercialization potential that align with our goals and objectives. And it's at what you might call a tipping point. If the investment is, is you know, of, of our, us investing a bit more money would in, involve a, a significant advancement in the technology's maturation and uh, a significant improvement in the offeror's ability to successfully bring the technology to market. There's been previous investments um, for the proposed technology, whether it be from venture capital or corporates or, or so on, or other government agencies. And, and in preparation for commercialization, there's an existing plan uh, to commercialize the technology. And so, so it's something that's kind of already demonstrated in the lab, but, but we need to bring it to, you know, either to a flight or a system level demonstration. Um, and so what we do with those is, is it's, these are fixed price contracts. Uh, the proposer, um, proposer uh, we give a fairly spe reasonably specific topics um, that, that vary through each year. Um, and, and this last year, we had three topics. One was on um, project fluid management. One was on lunar surface uh, technologies and developments. And one was on um, a, a improved test bed for uh, um, demonstrating landing capabilities. So, but, so they're fixed price contracts, usually two years, three years, even four years in, in, in duration as we go through it. And it's something that the, the uh, offerer has to prove that they've got a commercialization potential and they put a stake in the game. So in this case, um, this la it, it varies a little bit by solicitation, but this last time for small businesses, we say 10%. For large businesses, we say 25% that they have to contribute. Then the sister organization is uh, what we call an ACO or Announcement of Collaborative Opportunities. That um, is one that we actually don't exchange money. Um, it's what we call um, a non-reimbursable space act agreement. Uh, so it's an agreement between us 
and the offerer. And in this case, the topics are any topic that, that was relevant to us and them, but beyond that, it's pretty broad. Um, and so they propose uh, what, and, and what, um, they propose something that has strong commercialization potential. They're the primary investor, not us, but with a little bit of adding NASA expertise or test facilities or, you know, software capabilities or so on, uh, then they, that could really put them over the top. And so, um, and, and so these are typically one to two years in length. Um, and for reference, um, I think this last solicitation, we had something like 15 selections for tipping point for a total of about $370 million. For the ACO, we had about 20 selections, each about a million dollars. And so that you give, it seems like you give kind of a wide berth to these companies that want to work with you, as in your, you know, just kind of giving them very broad uh, needs that you all have. And they come to you saying, hey, you know, we have this that might work. Uh, if you give us a little bit more money, uh, we might be able to put it up put it over the top and commercialize it and let you use it. Am, am I getting it? Am I simplifying it uh, there? Or? Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to describe it. Um, you know, in order to enable innovation, which is really what we're after you, and, and enable, you know, creativeness on, on their part and also something that they would want to invest in, uh, you've got to give them some flexibility. So for us, it's fairly broad based topics, even our tipping points where it's a little bit more particular, it's still really broad based. Um, and so we, we let the creativity go. Um, and I, I'd say this last time, there's a couple things that were really successful. It's kind of a demonstration of why it works. Um, we knew we wanted to, to um, demonstrate long-term storage on orbit of cryogenic fluids, especially uh, leading up to hydrogen, which is a really hard thing to do. And typically right now on large scales, um, we can only, it lasts days. And what we're trying to do is get it to last years. And that really enables a lot of different missions, including getting uh, to Mars and nuclear systems and so on as we go forward. Um, so when we put this call out for a flight demonstration of technologies, we told we had previously identified there's 20 some technologies that we need to develop, you know, at the subsystem level and then demonstrate as a system. And but then we just let them decide, and we we picked four different uh, solicitations or four different proposals. I'm sorry, uh, because each of them tackled it a little differently, and together it made really strong uh, a portfolio. And so to to us that was really exciting. You know, you look at the list of companies that you selected, you hear, you, you've heard of a couple of them. Some of them, you know, are obviously smaller and maybe a little bit more specific on the things on, in the nature that they work on. Um, I, I'm just curious about how big was the response that you got? Is this only a small fraction of the folks who applied for this? Or uh, did you find that you all were taking whoever came forward with something? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and what I'll do, this is another thing we try to do to, to kind of ease the burden a little bit on the proposers, although it takes a little bit longer. So what we try to do is what we call a two-step solicitation. In the first step, in both of the ACOs and tipping points, in the first step, well, all we require from them is a few-page white paper, ROM costs, no commit, no firm commitments. They've got an idea. Uh, and, and they show how it connects with us and for its relevance for, and, and their, their potential capability. Um, and so when we take that and filter it down um, and so for rough speaking, I think both of these solicitations, we got about 100 proposals each, you know, so on that order. And so what we want to do, though, is not make 100 different uh, companies put up a full proposal and, the, you know, their bid and proposal dollars are scarce. So, and these aren't as big as some of the biggest things, but they are still good size. Um, and so we, but we want to give them some. So what we do is then narrow it down um, based on our budget so that there's the way I term it um, is 
that that whoever we ask for a full proposal from after that down select it has a good chance of getting selected so that they know and by a good chance i mean at least 20 to 25 percent um for the acos it typically gets actually close to 50 you know 50 50 or a little above and stuff there's more of them and stuff so so what we do is we narrow the field and so it, since this time we picked around 15 17 or so um, I don't remember how many we had asked for full proposals, but it was on the order of 30 to 40. Yeah, and it seems as if, you know, the, if this is working, um, which I, I'm assuming it is since you all are <laughs> keeping it up, um, yeah. there's a potential that that percentage could even grow higher. Yeah, I, I would always love it to be higher. Um, and you're right, it, it's, it boils down to, um, you know, our investment strategy and and how, and how uh, we don't come in, we come in with a, a with a pretty strong intent of how of how much we will invest. Um, but we often, I actually almost always try to do more than, than what we promise. Like in the in the tipping point, we promised that we'd make at least two hundred fifty million dollars worth of selections. We made three hundred seventy. You know, so so we try to we try to look for that. But you're right um, that we always are leaving good investments on the uh, good uh, good proposals on the table. That we could, if we had more money, we would invest more. And is it because of what you're asking for is so very specific and? things that most normal companies aren't working on that you find that you have to give them sort of that, Hey, this will be worth your time. I promise. Even if you don't get it kind of thing, or is, I, is that the case? I, I don't know. Maybe that's part of it. And maybe I overstress that, but, but um, what I would say is we find this is a really better way to, to have, you know, to have the discussion and, and let them propose what they want. Uh, sometimes they will, they will put, so it gives them a little bit more freedom, you know, like, it, it, it's another innovation thing, right? Um, if, if you're a company and you mm -hmm. see the solicitation and you met, you, you know, you do your, you measure yourself to say, okay, well, how many of these are am I likely to get? And so then what you tend to do is, is not be uh, as open about it because you'll tend to only propose things that you want to develop fully. If you're given the chance to have a kind of an early proposal that doesn't take you much time, but a good idea to help you have some good ideas, and then you get a chance for immediate, you know, early feedback before you go through the, the whole development. So, it, you know, it helps us both. Yeah. And I imagine as something is intricate and, uh, you know, a little bit more specific that space technology is, even if you don't get it, there is the opportunity that these companies work together on a subcontracting basis, uh, given the fact that, you know, like I said, it's a very narrow field um, just yeah. right, oh. as it is right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that does happen all the time. Um, one of our solicitations, um, yeah, one of the proposals for Tipping Point, um, yeah, we, we gave a lot of, uh, we picked 10 of the Tipping Point uh, selections out of the 15 total, I think, uh, were for Lunar Surface, what we call Lunar Surface Innovation Initiative. Um, and so what we found there is um, we, we already, NASA has, um, you know, development activities for lunar surface, land, lunar landing services surface activities uh, that we've picked that the science mission directorate runs that we participate heavily in. And so anyways, there's a lot of robotic um, it, uh, landers in development from companies that are trying to sell a service. What we found is that we, that married, they often married themselves with the tipping points to their own landers and stuff. For one example is intuitive machines is a company that has a couple of the lander uh, contracts with us. We already had a, a a water mining drill that we were working with them, and they proposed a couple of things. One of which was a a 4G LTE network uh, being developed by Nokia um, that they would put on there, and we demonstrate you know, calm on the surface, basically between 
between small rovers, between astronauts, or whatever as you go through it. So a 4G network. And then with that also, they, they proposed a, a hopper that we also selected. And the idea behind that is, is it can hop around the moon at about a mile or so, mile and a half or so, it, it, as long of a distance, and um, to, to go to really hazardous sites. Um, and and hold a couple pound payload as it's going through it. So you know it made for a really nice mission, um, and and partnerships along the way. Well, let's talk dollars. Uh, when you go to the investment side and you're investing federal dollars, there's always going to be the uh, budget hawks behind you that you know are going to question you if something goes wrong or if something doesn't pan mm-hmm. out. Um, how you know, what can you tell me about the selection process itself? And, you know, when these companies come to you with these technologies, how do you make sure that there is an arbiter there saying, okay, maybe that's a little bit too over the top? <laughs> well, um, what we do is, is we put a lot of emphasis on, on our review team. Um, and, and these are experts in the field, not all just NASA. Uh, oftentimes we, but, but they have no affiliation with the proposal itself, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have our subject matter experts. We have subject matter experts from other government agencies, oftentimes from industry if they didn't participate, and universities. And so um, we 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 strive for uh, you know very thorough review of the proposals as they go through it, and then also ultimately the the contractual mechanism um, for an ACO. It's it's um, there's milestones, and we we provide uh, we provide a service to them, basically engineering expertise and testing. Uh, and it's, otherwise, it's their thing. But but if they don't meet their commitments, then we don't. Then ours automatically goes away. Similarly, with the contracts we have, they're fixed price and they're milestone based. So if they don't meet the milestone, then we don't. Then we then we don't invest further. So sort of mitigating your risk there, as you know, there it, it is probably risky going into space technology since everything yeah. is new. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and what I would say is, you know, from our standpoint, what we try to say is, if we aren't investing in some risky stuff we're probably not doing our job because we're not taking enough chance and not being bold enough and so uh for us you know a 50 50 success rate is great is is high um you know we 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 would expect um to have some things that even because because oftentimes even if it doesn't pan out the way you propose it and hope that it would you still learn in the process and still gain so let's get away from the money side of things and let's go into the, the fun side of things, which is these programs. What does it mean for NASA's missions and how, you know, what kind of other technologies can you tell me about that you, know, you, you are seeing come through this program? Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a good question. Um, let's see. In terms of what it means is, is uh, we, we, we do um, technology development on a, on a couple of different ways. One, one's kind of, considered a push one kind kind of considered a pull it, when we look at our overall portfolio a push technology is something you don't necessarily have a end goal in mind or a specific application in mind but you know you've got technology that would enable that that's not usually this solicitation because those aren't really tipping point and stuff like that though but we do that sort of investment but then what this technology this investment is it tends to fill the niche of the pull technology we know we have a specific um, potential use case both and for ourselves and then from the commercial entity themselves have to have a, a use case. And so um, by doing uh, this, we're, we're, it, it fits into those. So like, you know, the Artemis program right now is, is one of our investments, strategic investment initiatives. Um, and so the lunar surface um, t- capabilities that we're developed, technologies capabilities we develop are helping to, to uh, help ensure a sustainable presence, but also often those technologies 
are ones that can fit into another mission or in a commercial venture or so on. Um, like, you know, for example, um, uh, one of the challenges if you're working on operating on a surface of another planet, moon or wherever, um, is something that we see uh, have challenges on Earth too, and it's power beaming. Uh, you know, getting the power from where you have the source to where you want to operate. It. And, and so some of our technologies are ones that go into investigate craters and, and, and really it's what we call extreme access in extreme environments, those sort of places. Well, you got to get power to them, um, and there's multiple ways to do that, but one of the, the astrobotics was one of our, our, our proposers that we selected, has a localized uh, power beaming demonstration, low power and stuff for, you know, and, and they'll demonstrate it on, with a rover in a, in a station. So, you know, it, that kind of technology is there. Uh, fuel cells, uh, regenerative fuel cells are, are technology that, that can be a power source. Uh, we have a couple of different examples of those, uh, developments of those. Um, uh, each of the cryogenic flight demonstrations that I've talked about are, are ones that are picking different specific areas um, that, that um, would be anywhere from cap demonstrating capability of transferring tons of cryogens between vehicles to operating and storing hydrogen for, for months, uh, those sort of things. Um, uh, we have, um, like, a, uh, we've in the past developed um, some, some solar rays. Uh, that are now have been infused into um, into a commercial line, as as well because they're they're you know, very compact packing, very lightweight, um, and also then ISS has, has announced the International Space Station announced that their replacement of the of the solar rays that are kind of the original arrays from from ISS. Well, uh, we've got and they're they're, they're intending to. Um, to take these solar rays basically and, and implement them on the station as they're up as they upgrade, and they can be dramatically smaller than than the arrays we had before. Um, they previously, with the Air Force, had taken those arrays and demonstrated that they would work on ISS uh, beforehand. So um, there's really a multitude of different um, capabilities. Um, we get a lot of different uh, um, proposals, especially on the ACOs for propulsion advancement and propulsion or advanced um, manufacturing and materials use. Looking towards the future, do you foresee relationships with the private sector, um, more of them growing out of programs like this? Or do you think that, you know, there may be a shift back to where NASA maybe is doing a lot more stuff in-house? You know, uh, we do a blend ourselves. I do think, though, that the, the public-private partnership model has proven itself over and over in, in, you know, a lot of NASA's programs, including commercial crew, commercial cargo, of the things we do, we have a flight opportunity, suborbital programs, and it works everywhere. Um, you know, if you give people, especially you know, in a in a place like the U.S., um, it, uh, the chance to be innovative and the chance to potentially uh, grow a commercial market, um, you get a lot. You get a lot of great results from it, and I don't see that changing. It's a critical part of it for our coal technologies, but we marry that very strongly with you know a large university presence and and uh, and where where it's best. Um, way I, the way I see it is, is we're the strongest. Um, I'll back up a step. When you look at space tech, um, the strength of our organization is our breadth of our capabilities. We look at things all the way from very low technology readiness, you know, it's kind of, kind of uh, just basic research, applied research, to a middle ground of things are demonstrated in the lab but not really functional, and to all the way to demonstrating. And so, and we have 12 or so programs. Uh, we've talked about a couple of them here. 
but we also have we do a lot of crowdsourcing prizes and challenges and stuff like that to reach a broader audience and when you when when we're at our best it's when we're taking all our programs and kind of looking at tackling a similar problem um, in multiple ways yeah, you have to be, you yourself, and I imagine your agency has to be excited about the actual, the, not just the growth in the industry, but its popularity as well. I mean, when NASA was going to start contracting you know, more services out, there were a lot of people worried um, that it would hinder innovation because there wasn't the foresight to say, well, there's no commercial need for a space company. But I mean, just the growth in popularity alone, the growth in the way that people are actually now talking about the space technology industry. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I say it is exciting. It kind of, you know, I, I almost think of it as three phases. There's traditional space, which still does a lot of great work um, and, and evolving and stuff. And so we do a lot of public private partnerships with them as well. There's new space and, and, you know, there, there's companies uh, that we actually have great relationships with, um, you know, it's very strong um, that the, the SpaceX's and, and uh, Blue Origins and stuff that have, have come along. And then there's almost even a, a next space of people that are really don't know what they don't know yet. And, and that's a good thing. And but there are all kinds of investments, the, you know, much broader investments from venture capital in the space economy than there has been before, because it really is um, becoming a trillion dollar economy. To be your best every day. You need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples... Temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.